following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. Welcome to Box Office 30. We are back with our review of Sleeping with the Enemy. Um, I'm curious, Michael, have you figured out who you want to call uh, if you're sleeping with the enemy just yet? (laughs) Um, If I'm sleeping with the enemy, who would I call? Uh, Probably somebody that could get me a fake ID. One thing that she does not get in this movie. <laughs> so there's a lot to digest or, or to unpack, if you will, from this movie. I don't know if, if it's good or if it's bad or, or what, but I did a little quick looking you know, after the fact of watching this movie. And so the movie was about $19 million was the budget, which I think we talked about in the last episode. I have to assume a large portion of that went to Julia Roberts <laughs> because, you know, as we've mentioned, like the the villain or her husband, Martin, is a guy named Patrick Bergen, who, to my knowledge, I've never seen him in anything else. And the other love interest in the movie, the guy, Ben, he literally hasn't been anything in anything really since Babe. Yeah. <laughs> so so I feel like, you know, they were really just banking on the Julia Roberts, you know, train and trying to get some money out of this movie. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, And, you know, we'll we'll talk more about them as we get into reviewing it here. But yeah, this seems to just be living and dying purely on her success coming out of Pretty Woman, I feel like. And we had said that last time, but I feel even more secure in saying that this time because for sure. It, you know, there's just not much else going for it in my mind. You know, like the only reason, I mean, I, I think I would still call this like a B movie. Like, I oh, don't yeah. know that I would call this like an A movie, even with her in it. I mean, maybe people at the time felt slightly differently, but if you swapped her out for like anybody else at that period of time, it would have been like a C or D level movie in, in my right. mind. Right. Um, if, if if her brother Eric was Erica Roberts, it would be a B movie. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, um, was this, this director's first film that we say? It's not his first. Um, it's kind of in the middle of the pack for him, um, but it's it's probably like the last of his more successful, if you can call them that again, um, films. Yeah. So let's just kind of dive right into this movie because there's, you know, like I said, there's a lot to unpack. Um, 
more que- I have more questions in the end than I do <laughs> answers. Fair enough. And um, so the movie starts off or it takes place, or at least the setting of the beginning of the movie is in, they say it's Cape Cod. And, and she's kind of like a, a, a kept housewife, if you will. And we find her in the beginning kind of standing at the shore, picking up clams from the, from the shoreline. And I'm like, I've been clamming. I don't normally remember clams being that close to the shore that you can literally just grab. You gotta usually be a little bit further in, and it raises a question for me right off the bat because they establish early on in the movie that she doesn't know how to swim, or at least he he is under the impression that she doesn't know how to swim. You and she's afraid of the water. Why would she even want to be close to the water at the beginning of the movie if she's afraid of the water? Yeah, that's an interesting thought, Uh, you know, especially because this is the way you're introduced to her and you don't have a concept that she's totally afraid of that yet. Maybe it didn't sink in for me in the same way, but in retrospect, yeah, I don't know. Interesting question. Um, I I guess the only thing I could say is that, you know, just like somebody who's like for me, like I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling. Me too. Like. You know, there's a difference for me if I'm like leaned up right against a, a glass window in a really tall building versus if I'm like standing 10 feet back and looking out it. Right. So I don't know. Maybe I'll give her that little like grace period of that. She likes, um, you know, her toes in the sand, but not necessarily being out like, you know, where you can't touch down. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. So her husband's name is Martin in the movie. And. I, you was know, it because I can't remember anybody's name? I just watched this night before last, and most of this is already floated. <laughs> I I watched it literally last night. I finished it around midnight last night, and I forgot it till I went on IMDb and looked up the name. The only name I can remember is Lara. <laughs> Lara. <laughs> yes. Yes. So so Martin, you know, he's the which I'm actually confused if it's Laura or Lara because when he's screaming that at the top of his lungs, it's kind of somewhere in between those two. Well, apparently he's British or Irish in real mm. life, so maybe I, a little uh, accent was jumping in. <laughs> yeah. So he comes off literally out of the gate as the creepiest guy you've ever seen. <laughs> and to top that off, he has the creepiest mustache you've ever seen as well. Everything is creep factor 11. The hair, the mustache, the the whole package is, is just the suit that he wears, everything. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he, he's very uncomfortable to be around, which, which I don't know if that's just, the way they wanted it to feel in the movie or if he's a bad actor or yeah. if it's bad directing. I'm not really too sure. But so we find out she's going to, she wanted to make dinner for him, but he says we were going to some fancy party in, in Cape Cod. And so she gets dressed and she's wearing a, you know, a pretty dress and he kind of comes up to her and he says, um, that's a nice dress. And she goes, do you want the red one? And he goes, I was thinking more black. And this isn't a hit you over the head. I'm controlling moment. It it almost is like, hey, you know, I like the black dress. Wear it that way. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. So they go to this party and he's mingling with some other rich people. And she's just kind of standing there idly around a bunch of, you know, the wives, if you will. And 
then they come together and, and then they like decide they want to leave the party and they get back to their apartment or their house on, on the beach. And, um, you know, they're immediately like he comes over, grabs her for, you know, to have sex. And she seems super into him. Like she's really like, it's almost over the top in the amount of like affection because truthfully they have very little chemistry on screen i feel like and i can't i couldn't tell at that moment if she was into him or she was just doing that for for show because of what we find out a little bit later on yeah i mean funny thing for me is the beginning of this movie was by and far the strongest yes, part for me. absolutely was. Like right up through about like the, I think I texted you, like the 24 or so minute mark. I yeah. was I was kind of on board because, you know, they, they were foreshadowing kind of how he acts towards her in these kind of, you know, subtle, not so subtle sort of, you know, things with, like you said, with the dress, there's a, you know, with the dinner, you can tell that he's got a little bit of a controlling sort of um, personality but you don't quite know the depth of it, you know, right. just yet. But the funny part, like I said, for me, like, yeah, it starts off almost just like kind of a romantic movie with the seeds of something's not 100% right, right here. But, you know, you don't start figuring that until things start kind of ramping up. And then when they do ramp up, it kind of happens in a big, bad way. And you're like, OK, all right, I see where this is absolutely going here. <laughs> so. So, yeah. So they, you know, they have sex, whatever, you know, the next day, like she makes breakfast or whatever. And he's working out feverishly on this, like, you know, Stairmaster, if you will. Yes. And and he's in this creepy look with that sweaty, creepy mustache, <laughs> which was really disgusting. Well, that's the thing with me with this character throughout. And actually, I think it may be my favorite takeaway from this whole movie is that this guy is like intense, where it takes intense to the level where it goes like all the way around and just becomes something like above and beyond and, and bonkers, you know, yeah. sort of thing to the point where I really want to do like a super cut. If, if it doesn't exist already out there somewhere, which it probably doesn't, but a supercut of just every time he's making an intense face <laughs> because I'm actually convinced it's a full quarter of this movie. <laughs> oh, easily. Almost every scene he's in. And so he's in the bathroom after he does his workout and he sees like this towel rack with three towels and they're not symmetrical. And so he goes and gets her, brings her to show her almost in a way of like humiliating her in a way. And uh, like, okay, great. He's a, he's a nutcase. He's a little bit of OCD, if you will. Sure. Then she's in the kitchen and she noticed like some things in the, in the cabinet aren't super organized. She's turning all the cups and everything, but it's, it's another, like it's a blink and you miss it kind of moment. If you weren't super paying attention, you would have missed that. And then we jump ahead a, a moment or two and he meets some guy, you know, a little bit down the beach who just happens to have a pier or a dock that you didn't see five minutes ago and she's outside, but yet it's there. And he goes and he like meets this random dude and convinces him without sight nor scene. <laughs> hey, we want to go on this boat you're going to take me and my wife out on this boat. And this guy's like, sure. Yeah, no problem. Sounds great. And I'm like, mm, 
eh, I don't know about that. Uh, I find that a little hard to believe, but okay. Yeah, whatever. well, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's not even the first of many instances of what I would say is very heavy handed things that they do throughout this movie just to push the plot forward. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I, I, I think, I think I did remember seeing the doc there, but like the odd part is that this guy would just pull up in like a full size sailboat and just be like, Oh, Hey, you know, it's like, it's not like a neighbor that they know very well. It's not like a work associate. It's just, yeah, as you say, just some sort of like random guy, um, you know, just seems like, as you say, just seems really odd that this guy would just be like, Oh, come with me. Let's go out for a sail, you know, and yeah. everything. Yeah. And, and so, you know, he tells her we're going out on this guy's boat tonight, whether you like it or not, you'll be ready to go. But there's something that happens in that conversation where he, he hears from this random boat guy who we haven't seen prior, like tinkering with his boat, right? Oh, I've seen your wife, you know, looking at me out the window. And, uh, you know, he says, oh, you've got a very attractive wife. And that's all he says, right? So Martin comes back into the house, and instead of like, he just automatically says, oh, well, the boat guy was in my house? But that's not what he said. He yeah. said he saw her looking through the window. And he and Martin just beats the hell out of her. He slaps her around, he kicks her in the stomach a bunch of times. She's lying on the ground, he smashes her flowers, yada, yada, yada. But then he's going to go on the boat with this guy? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the takeaway for all this, and obviously, like, this is kind of like the final, like, inciting incident that we're like, all right, this guy is clearly an abusive animal of a human being. But all of it, even the boat ride itself, is it's just about control. It's about controlling her. It's about torturing her. Um, you know, I mean, if, if you're with somebody and you know that they're, like, terrified of of being out on a boat. You know what I mean? Like, you're not just going to go to a random stranger and be like, we're taking a sail with this guy. You know what I mean? Like, so the whole point of it is just, is just solidifying for us, the viewers that like, he's just abusive, that he's torturous of her in a number of psychological different and apparently also physical different ways. Um, so, you know, again, a little ham fisted about how they kind of do this because it's all kind of bang, 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 like one after another, but they yeah. have to kind of, I mean, that, one of the things I would say about this movie, which sort of like knocked me over is um, Angie and I were watching it and I like paused it just to see how much time was left in the movie. And there was only like 20 minutes left. And I was like, oh, this is a short movie, you know? <laughs> so they kind of, I think because of their playtime essentially did a lot, at least in the beginning, very quickly to really, you know, get her going and out into the world. Then there's like an hour of time where just, like Nothing happens. Stuff is happening, you yeah. know, like, which, you know, we'll talk more about, but I don't know. It just seems uh, like it was like bang, 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 out the door. And then like, it just sort of really slows down again for an hour. <laughs> really? Like, and that's the weird thing. It does that, which is very strange. Like the first 25 minutes is less like right at one, one after another, boom, 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 boom. And then the next, I'd say 45, 50 minutes is just like, and then yeah. boom, we're right back into it. Um, so they go out on this boat and it's clearly like you can feel the way they're shooting it. They're on a soundstage <laughs> and it is the most awkward, unbelievable 
like boating accident mishap you've ever seen. They're on the boat, everything's fine. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom! It starts raining, like torrentially downpouring. And this, you know, seasoned sailor apparently, you know, the 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 mast on the on the thing snaps just out of the clear blue, and Martin's trying to pull it in. He falls into the water, but gets back on the boat in like one second. And then the other guy's trying to get the thing in. And while they're trying to wrestle with the sail, no one's watching her. And then all of a sudden they turn around and they pull back wide and she's just not there. How did she fall off the boat? <laughs> we never even see it. We don't understand it. The I boat, think there's the boat didn't inference. capsize. Yeah, I think there's an inference you can make here that she probably untied the jib and and let it loose in order for her to escape because otherwise it would have just been like i mean there's a series of events that you're also like forgetting a little bit in this that come up to play which is that kind of in the time before this but after he's sort of beat her up and she finds out about the sailing she kind of goes outside and smashes two lights and by the way first try i mean like she like i wrote that i wrote that down in my notes (laughs) i was the thing up smashes these lights and then I think you're meant to infer then that, you know, she's been planning some, I mean, again, like so, so ham fisted. If you think about this after the fact of she taught herself how to swim so that if she was ever sailing with him, she, she could fake her own death. And, and, and right. I mean, it, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's what I was going to say. So, so, okay. So we've established in the movie that she doesn't know how to swim. She falls off the boat in a life jacket. They can't see her. They get the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard can't find her. They're searching all over for her, yada, yada, yada. And I turned to Angie at that point, or she turned to me, and we're like, wow, that was a great movie. It's all all over with. Finn. And, and, you know, as you mentioned, you know, she one try throws a rock at two lights, Gets those suckers in no time, no no problem, no misses. I was like, wow, that's pretty pretty good. Uh, she should try out for the majors. I was like, geez. But after we have this whole sequence where we see him on the Coast Guard ship trying to find her, and they find her life vest that she was buckled into. Okay. Um, then we get a cut to her swimming to the nearest buoy, like very close to where they are. Yeah, they nobody looked there, and then we cut to her seeing the shoreline where the where the lights are out. So she kind of like knew the way to go, and so she swims to the shore. We see her get out of the ocean, and she runs into the house. Right, we're to assume that he's still out on the coast guard, Cuddy. Now this is where things really fell apart for me right here. <laughs> so this guy is super OCD. Like, he knows how the towels are supposed to be, the cups are, the whole thing. She runs into the house soaking wet and assumingly covered in sand as well. Yeah. First move she does is runs right into their master bedroom, climbs on top of their bed, and reaches above their bed to some, like, loft area there and pulls down her go bag. And I'm like, this guy's not going to find one grain of sand. (laughs) Well, my favorite thing is she pulls down her go bag and then she doesn't go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. I mean, like this is this is like where the movie you could just tell 
is just not going to be a fun ride for the rest of it because <laughs> there's so many questions to ask right. when all this stuff happens. And, and like, look, anybody that's in a real life scenario that, uh, you know, has been in an abusive relationship and everything, this is like escape abusive relationship porn. And it comes with everything that porn comes with, which is also that gigantic lack of thought into things. <laughs> I mean, like it's, it, there's just so many questions I have. Like I even turned to Ange and said like, you know, like it kind of goes into this whole montage then of like, Oh, well here's all the sort of things that she did to set herself to, you know, to escape and everything. And, you know, it's even going back to those stupid lights again. Like I, I turned and I said to Ange, I was like, they have literally the only house on this entire stretch of beach. And those lights are in front of their house. And she breaks two lights to tell her where to go. Why? Just head towards the lights. Like, right. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And I was even saying the same thing when they're on the boat. And they're like, oh, oh, it's nighttime and we're on a boat. And oh, my gosh, there's a storm that they didn't predict out of nowhere. We got to find our way back. And like, they're like, don't worry, we'll, we'll find our way back. Meanwhile, there's like all these like bright city lights behind them. I'm like, just turn your boat towards the lights and head there. <laughs> you're, yeah. like, you're like 30 feet from shore. I mean, I, this just was not done well. And they tried to make it as if like she had really like thought all this out. But like you said, same exact set of questions were going through my head here. She's coming in sopping wet. I mean, she had ditched some of her clothes. I said to Angela, I was like, she's going to need new pants before she goes off into hiding, but she's like <laughs> running through her house in like a, a wet shirt and underwear, presumably in the spick and span house, leaving, as you say, water, dirt, er everything everywhere, footprints in the sand. Uh, I don't know. And, and, and then just goes into a whole slew of other things. Like I said, like, Gets the go bag, but doesn't go. Like, yeah. just sits in the bathroom, like, doing, like, cutting her hair. Like, oh my God, cutting your hair. Like, anybody in Corona who's cut their own hair is going to know that as soon as you do that, your bathroom or whatever is a disaster. <laughs> right. Like, you're telling me this guy didn't see one follicle of hair on the counter. And then she takes her ring and, like, she could have ditched it in the ocean. No, she throws it in the toilet. Well, Andrew raised a really good point. Take it with you and pawn it. Right. <laughs> it's a wedding ring. Sell it and get get some money. Right. <laughs> like, you know, she, yeah, she cuts her hair, but then throws a wig over the top of it. And I'm like, what? what? And then she grabs a towel and kind of like, you know, rubs her floor dry She's immediately standing and nowhere else <laughs> yeah and i'm like dude this you're telling me this guy's not gonna find anything in that apartment that's a little bit like you have this big beach house put the thing right at the boardwalk and you grab it and you run the other way it's very simple like that doesn't make any sense yeah i mean what i would say is she had a good start to a plan but then she just clearly did not think through everything and as the movie goes on all these things we're talking about become the foil. You know, yeah. he would have otherwise been hung up on her, but thought she was dead. But for the fact that she left very stupid evidence lying around. Right. So she's got all these ideas that are just half baked. Like, Oh, I'm going to cut my hair and, and put on a wig. And that way nobody, I guess would be able to identify her at the bus stop or whatever. And, you know, I'm going to flush this ring because I, it's like a symbol of, of everything I hate and everything, you know, but I don't know. I mean, if it were me, I think I'd have like left that bag like under the porch that night right. and then exactly. like, grabbed it and ran up the street and hidden a bush and then kept going or something. She, she was clearly alone long enough to break those lights. She could have left the bag right where the lights were broken and just gone from there if she needed to do that. So anyway, 
So she gets on this bus and she's heading on a Greyhound somewhere west. We don't know quite yet. Then we have this like super wide shot, like funeral sequence where he's built this giant, like, you know, monolith style, you know, headstone for her. There's a whole crowd of people that we don't know who they are, which we don't care. But it's like on this giant cliffside bluff, not <laughs> not where they live. It's just some random location. And I'm like, where are we? This is not a cemetery. It's not their house. It's just some rando place. It makes no sense. It doesn't have anything to do with the story. And you see him standing there just staring at the thing. And he doesn't look sad. He just looks angry and creepy. And so, you know, he goes back to the house, whatever. He gets, you know, walks around a little bit. Then he goes back to work in, I guess, the city somewhere, wherever he works. Um, And then he gets a phone call from <laughs> one of her friends at swimming lessons. Hold on, hold on. More ham fist coming up here. <laughs> yeah. You know, Judy from swimming lessons called and said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your wife. How the hell would she know? How would she yeah. know? Yeah, and, I mean, you know, presumably maybe the, there was something in a newspaper or something. But yeah, it's another just one of these just like, it's just bashing you over the head with like, oh, it, you know all these things that that she's planned for and like you know you could assume that there would be maybe a few things that would slip by that he might be able to figure out and start going off of but some of them are just like here's some exposition and it's like the woman's like no 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 i assure you that your bruised up wife who was a gymnastics uh, person because of all those bruises was uh, taking all these swimming lessons. And of course she was afraid at first, but she wasn't anymore. And then, you know, like, it's just like, she's oh been, my God. She's been swimming for six months. And we're like, but what, what, what? And like, again, simultaneously, like over on the bus, she's chatting with that other woman who, just, and then she like immediately, essentially like gives away her life story that she's story. this abused woman. And I'm like, you're going to go through all this stuff, have a wig on all this sort of thing. And then just immediately be like, oh, my best friend in the world really hated her husband and felt this very specific way to the point where the woman was like, Oh, so you're very obviously telling me this person's you. And, <laughs> and, and that's the thing that that's like a, a through point in this whole movie is for someone that's been so terrified and so abused, she's super trusting to anybody she meets and yeah. just unloads all of her information. And I'm like, what, why, what are you doing? But yeah, so she's on the bus. She meets some random lady who gives her an apple and she spills her whole life story. And then we find out she ends up in Iowa, right? She's somewhere in Iowa. Winchesterton Fieldville, Iowa. Is that what it was? Are <laughs> you making that up? Yeah, that's out of Mr. Deeds. Oh, right. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, I always I love that because she started heading there. And I said that to Angie. I was like, you know, <laughs> Mr. Deeds, you can say what you will about that movie. But I did love the fact that like she's like, oh, I need to come up with a random place. Uh, Winchesterton Fieldville, Iowa. And then, of course, they go there. and It's a real place. So I was like, that's probably the same spot that <laughs> she's headed to there. So she gets to Iowa and, you know. When they showed the go bag, they kind of like opened it up real quick. And she's got a small wad of money. Not a lot. Like a small, maybe a couple hundred dollars in there. And I had this like head scratcher. Like, this guy is so controlling. He doesn't know she's paying for swimming lessons. He doesn't know he's missing a wad of cash. Like, I feel like he would know those sort of things. Well, that's the thing. And even it goes back to the thing with the swimming lessons. You know, there's this level of control that he's supposed to have. And you get it realistically except that at some point 
she might be able to slip some things by him. Um, but one of the things that I think doesn't 100% up add up is what you say that I think she was going to like a, like a YMCA or something yeah. like that. And she says so, she's working at a library three days a week, but she goes, yeah. oh, I want to, I want to add two more days and go five days a week to the library. And then he makes this weird say, well, we're kind of going backwards, but it's okay. Um, he makes this statement like, you know, well, will my dinner be on the table at the at, at, on time? And she goes, in six months, it was only late two times because I had to bury my mother. Yeah. And that's, and, and he like, he like faults her for that. And you're like, all right, this guy's a jerk. We get it. But I'm like, I don't know. There was just something about that, that like annoyed me with that part too. What were you going to say? Again? Yeah. It just doesn't feel like it. It's realistic that she would be able to like trick him long-term into the fact that she's been, swimming all this time and then like if if that is the thing if she's asking you to go to the library more to you know go to the swimming lessons more i mean she's good you know she's got the swimming down now you know if yeah. if that's gonna start like you know punching a hole in your story you could probably let that one go i guess <laughs> yeah so anyway we get to iowa she rents a house next to a guy who the first time we see him he is singing and dancing in the backyard to West Side Story. Yes. <laughs> and th- this guy also is equally creepy, but in a different kind of creepiness. Yes. Well, I, I think at least a part of that stems out of like the like. Even though it's 90s, it, it kind of feels like 70s, like weird hair and stash and everything again with him. And yeah. by the way, I, I was thinking about this and I'm, I'm happy that we finally got into this guy because I was thinking back to our uh, dances with wolves review and how we were kind of giving um, her grief over the fact that her hair um, was really insane and windswept and not kind of like kept up as the rest of the tribe was. And this guy's hair was like a monstrosity too. And then I started thinking even further back to the fact that I was really on to Whoopi's hair <laughs> in Ghosts. And I'm starting to realize that I have a trend of just like really getting thrown off by people with giant, crazy hair in movies. <laughs> this guy had really giant, crazy, like <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus mullet, but curly and this really dirty, gross looking beard. And we both have facial hair, but this beard was gross looking. And he he kind of comes off as super weird because she like goes out late at night and picks apples off of a tree and he kind of just comes out of nowhere. He's just like lurking in the dark, apparently. <laughs> yeah, like a real creep. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, OK, so she's left one enemy. Is she going to sleep with a new enemy? <laughs> like we're, we've lost one enemy. We're going to find another one now. Because that's the title of the movie. Speaking with the enemy, the enemy. too. The next enemy. <laughs> the next enemy. And, and so she's trying to like get some apples to bake a pie. And he makes some real creepy weirdo comments to her. And she sort of like drops the apples on the ground and runs away. And then he just pops over five minutes later with the apples. Here you go. Here's your apples, lady. And just sort of like comes into her house well it was like a really bizarre exchange because like you know especially because they're about to set this guy up as like the 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 prince charming of the movie the the non-enemy the guy who she's ultimately going to end up with 
it's such an awkward meeting, like to the point where like, you know, even stepping back further, like he's doing his jets, you know, <laughs> like all his West Side Story stuff. And then like she's like just like creeping on him out the window and he gets like he sees her finally at the very tail end of his song. And like he's kind of like creeped out apparently by the fact she was just sort of like looking at him. And by the way, I love that he's like watering 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 and meanwhile all the grass behind him was like completely burned out but i digress Um, but but, uh but you know it runs into that like real creepy awkward thing and then he just like comes over and she just like lets him in his house in her house and they have like this weird like conversation about the apples and he likes pie and he wants pie and it's like oh my god like i don't know like you would think that like the next guy coming along would be like really charming and you know would would be catching her and sweeping her off her feet and all this sort of thing and like really it's the most bizarre awkward (laughs) like random meeting and here's the thing about that i guess we're to assume this is probably like what three or four days later after she left the husband, right? Yeah, I don't know how long Cape Cod to Iowa is by bus. Maybe maybe a week and change. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, let's say it's 10 days, right? Because they had to have had the funeral for her as well, which would have probably been a couple days after the, the body was lost, even though they don't, like, you know, no, normally when you have a search party, it takes them several, several days to find a body and whatever i'm not going to go into all that craziness but let's say it's 10 days later she doesn't lock her doors in this new house in this new <laughs> new city across the country like she just leaves her doors unlocked leaves her windows open all the time this weird guy comes in he's not really that charming he's kind of creepy as well um he i don't know he leaves then he follows her to the library. She comes out of the library and he's just sort of standing there and offers to get her a job somewhere out of the clear blue. And then he says, oh, you said your name was Sarah. I called your name, but you didn't turn. I don't think well, your name is Sarah. The other funny thing I would say, too, that was like in the middle of that conversation is um, – She's like, how do you know I'm looking for work? And like, first of all, one could probably assume that when you've told somebody you just moved to an area that you might have started a new job or need a new job. But forgetting that, he sort of says like, oh, like, well, it's a small town. And like, everybody was talking about it. I'm like, this is like a day or two later. Like everybody in the town knows her already and is talking about how she needs work. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Everybody knows the whole place, the whole place, the whole town. She's been busy. (laughs) Any town USA knows all of Sarah, Laura's background for sure. Yeah. I, I find that hard to believe. So, you know, now, we go back and we and you know as we've mentioned martin has gotten a phone call from the swimming friend then he's searching around the house he's tearing through all her files he's looking for any evidence of anything can't find anything then miraculously the wedding ring is sitting in the bottom of the toilet <laughs> and he hasn't seen it in assumingly a week and a half later sitting in the toilet yeah. Or the cleaning lady didn't see it or whatever. <laughs> like, come on. And now he's like, 
She's alive. I knew it. She's alive. I mean, I think the best takeaway of that, which actually is very funny because I hadn't thought about it in the context that you're putting it in, is that, yeah, that he apparently like didn't use that toilet for <laughs> for an extended period of time. Right. That or like it's just such a heavy ring that it's sitting under there for multiple, multiple flushes. I don't know. <laughs> I, could, I could see maybe one or two it not taking it away. Maybe. Maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty I, sure I watched an episode of Full House where the wedding ring went down the uh, the sink or something, and that was it. You know, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's gonna gonna be it for that. Exactly. <laughs> so now he hires, I guess, a private investigator or something like to try to track her down, or so, he goes to some random guy to find find her. Yeah, he's like a PI. Yeah, yeah. and he's got like a team of people that would go. Yeah. Although, like, what you start to figure out, because there's another little blip in the middle there, which is that he goes to visit um, the old nursing home where the mother used to live um, and, you know, is sort of saying, like, oh, you know, my wife uh, died or whatever. And then again, again, so ham fisted, like the woman that, like, runs that place um, is sort of saying to him along the lines of. Um, oh, well, you know, your wife would have taken her out of here six months ago. And he's like, where would she have taken her? It's like, you're home. Like, don't you think the guy would have known that <laughs> that the mother wasn't living at his home? I mean, I don't know. Again, just weird writing, I guess. There's yeah. a little bit of that uh, that thing going on here. But um, so, yeah, so he finds out that that she moved the mother. He's having the PIs look for the mother is right. is really what is happening in that one. Right. And so he finds the mother is in, I don't know, so, somewhere not too Next far. Next town over from wherever, Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Not, not too far away, Iowa, basically. And this brought up a whole other question. And again, maybe you were going to bring this up in a minute. But like, if her whole thing was that as part of this plan, which we're starting to unveil is that sh her mom's not dead. She also had her death faked by her daughter. If the whole thing was that she was going to like fake her death, go get her mother and go off to like nowheresville. You know, she is sitting on going and getting her mom from this place. Like she had shipped her there six months earlier or whatever. But then like, if you're really like plotting all this stuff out, like pick her up from there First thing, like get off that bus and go get her and then go to some other state and bring right. the mother with you, you know? Right. But she says to Ben, oh, I can't go to my mother yet. It's not safe yet. But that's stupid because he doesn't there's a there's an assumption earlier in time that he's not going to know she's dead yet. So everything, single thing that she has to do, every move she's making in her grand plan has to be done as quickly as possible. Right. So stopping in a town next door and renting a place permanently is not a good step. <laughs> go no. get the mother from the temporary home, take her and just go somewhere else. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> so, so now, you know, the, you know, Martin finds the mother he sees her like knitting and we find out that she's blind. So she can't even see him. She doesn't really hear. He just sort of like stands over her. Like yeah, he just like appears in that room. And that guy either has like ninja creep factor 1000, which I guess he does. Like as we find out later on in the movie, because like the, the scene where then she finally goes to see her mother, like the door, like 
inches open and the mother's like, oh, hello. <laughs> it's like, so she didn't know this guy was behind her, but she could hear like, like the breeze from the door and like the next, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. It was a little, a little odd. So anyway, so we find out that Ben is a, is a theater teacher and he dresses Julia Roberts, Laura, Sarah. Well, so first of all, I, I don't know this has gotten to this point yet, but it, it would be worth pointing out that there's a scene in the middle here where he takes her to his theater department and there's this massive overlong, like just keeps going and going and Montage. going. Oh, where God. at first he like starts her off on a stage and he's doing some sort of like weird, like lighting and like stage stuff where it's like dropping snow on her and like you start playing like brown eyed girl and it's like oh all right so there's that like single use of their license for brown eyed girl in this movie um which by the way i I guess it's really bad of us that we didn't mention and i can never think of the name of it but that um classical piece that's from the shining that like isn't even like his piece of favorite music it's her piece of favorite music and i'm like god damn that's a creepy (laughs) song for you to have as your favorite favorite song but um you know that one keeps playing throughout and i'm just like shining 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 (laughs) but anyway he plays that brown eyed girl and like they use like the entirety of brown eyed girl and maybe even another song to like like just have her in the back like dressing up in like literally every single piece of like costume and like there's like an extended montage sequence where she just tries on like maybe 30 40 different like hats yeah <laughs> and like the world's creepiest ever mask <laughs> right what was the deal with that mask i don't know but i wanted to kill it with fire <laughs> but, like it was the creepiest thing and i don't know if it was supposed to be some sort of symbolism or something like i felt like the director was just kind of like shoehorning in kind of like Anything could make this thing. Oh, this is going to be significant. Like this is going to be a a through line to to the character's psyche or some. Nonsense. But that was like a two three minute max scene. That was like a fifteen minute scene. Uh, well, <laughs> it, like... I had to pause it twice to just take a break and, and like go to the bathroom and get a glass of water because I couldn't get through the whole thing in one. I scene. mean, after like the dozenth hat, I turned to Angela. I'm like, how many more hats are they going to try on in this montage? <laughs> like, you know, this is somebody that did not hear the rule of thirds or something. <laughs> and, and again, this is another instance where the main character who's just been through a traumatic abuse for what they find out is three years seven months like six days and like four hours or something like she goes down to the minute of how how long the abuse was she's just like oh everything's great the world is lovely i'm gonna just try like she's not afraid she has no inkling that this guy is looking for her or anything she's not being any kind of keep yourself like if you're trying to hide from somebody lay low for a while don't make friends right away yeah i mean she has some jumpy moments um that feel realistic enough like the first time that her and ben i think of his name ben uh, go to have sex all like on a staircase of all things. God, I don't know if anybody out there has done that. I don't think I would, I would consider that. That seems very uncomfortable, but um, <laughs> like, she's like, you know, she kind of has a, a bad reaction to it. And, you know, so there's a few times where she has like a fair reaction that, that you can see the trauma that this person would have realistically gone through. But there is some other things like that where it's like, yeah, she got into this relationship pretty fast. Pretty quick. But I didn't want to derail us too bad. I mean, I I brought that scene up to bring up the fact that like, oh, okay, so 
he does theater, therefore he's a master of disguise. And the disguise he puts her in to go see her mother is like, okay. (laughs) It's like a mullet and like spirit gummed uh, crummy little mustache. And otherwise it's like Julia Roberts. (laughs) You know who who she looks like in that get up? Um, What's the kid from Terminator 2? John Connor? No, what's his real name? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Edward Furlong. She she kind of looks like Edward Furlong with a dirty mustache. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was getting like 18th century street urchin vibes or something. I don't know. It was a funny little like she had like a trucker hat um, or something like that. And like these real baggy clothes. I don't know. It, I guess it passed mustard that, you know, nobody was specifically looking for exactly her. But I think if I passed that person in the hall, I'd have just been like, huh. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird so she goes to the mother and sees the mother talks to the mother I mean, you know what she looks like she looks like when any of the female characters on snl put on like a mustache and a beard you okay. know <laughs> like where it's like oh that's clearly ad bryant that's not like yeah. <laughs> it's not passing mustard anywhere yeah that's true you're right so she sees the mother she spends a lot of time with her instead of like you're either the, the move you should have made is either a, you see the mother briefly. B, you see the mother and you take her out of there. You don't go there, hang out for a while, come and go in and out of the room. Yeah. For all day. And that's well, like on did. top of that, like forgetting that, because you could maybe forgive her being there and being comfortable enough to do that. He apparently is just there. Like leering around unless he showed up that morning and it's just coincidental that that's the case. He's just like, apparently his plan is like, just to like stay there now. You know what I mean? He's like, he had already gone in and like talked with like the superintendent of that place and sort of asked if anybody had been visiting the woman and like, you know, all these people are just freely giving away information to this guy, you know, (laughs) like just seemed very bizarre. And you know, you don't know where, like, he, they're in the middle of, like, nowhere, Iowa. Where is this guy staying that he's just coming there? Is he just coming there every single day? Yeah. And just checking on the mother? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It just seems uh, a lot of questions there. So anyway, she's sipping in. The, oh, I got to. This is really funny that bothered me. Did you see him drinking that water fountain? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. he's lopping it like lopping a, it up yeah <laughs> oh it was the most disgusting thing i've ever seen i almost threw up he's like blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, <laughs> it was gross I'm like nobody in their right mind has ever drank from a water fountain <laughs> in that manner never in the history of water fountains, has anyone ever drank water like that? Yeah, Here's is that guy thirsty or what? Because then we get like the world's most intense water fountain drinking scene like a couple minutes later when she goes to get water and then he's like waiting in line again. For it. Oh, he's, he's waiting online to get to that water fountain like he's trying to cash in a million dollar lotto ticket like move i gotta get my water and he presses the thing and it blasts him in the face and he pulls out a handkerchief and he kind of like wipes his face really weird and it and so we find out that 
you know, the, well, the other great part then is he kind of like essentially starts to go after her on the assumption that like this jerk guy just broke this thing and it splashed my face. So I'm going to go confront him now. And then like, you know, kind of only just gets pulled away at the last moment. Yeah. Um, before her disappearing act. <laughs> so, so we find out that, you know, the front desk girl just tells this dude, yeah, somebody came to visit her for the first time in six months. So he goes into Laura's mom's room and questions her with some sort of like off kilter accent. And she kind of divulges that the daughter had come. Yeah. Well, he says he's a cop and that like the, he, he takes the, like the role of like, Oh, her crazy husband's looking for her or something like that. Right. You know, like, cause the, the, the mother, you know, I, I was confused at first. It must be that she's just blind. I thought they said something in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, she had like, yeah, Alzheimer's or a stroke or something that had left her more incapacitated than she is. But the mother's with it enough that she's also trying to be like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, good. That's how you have to act. We don't want that crazy husband to know. And then, of course, she's like, all right, well, this guy's you know seen through it. And he's a cop. I guess I can trust him. And blah, 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 blah. there's <laughs> there's all the information. But and, and, and here's the problem with that. Right. So. He doesn't think he's crazy. Why would he even pretending to be crazy? Call himself that it does. It's, it, you I know, mean, if you're a maybe, so, I mean, I, I can't necessarily put myself into the headspace of like an abusive. If you're a sociopath, or a husband you know, or whatever sort of case like that. But. I guess, you know, in a way he's looking at this as like, all right, well, you know, she faked her own death to get away from me. I just got to play into whatever mindset she might be putting off, even if he doesn't agree with it, even though then he like decides that he's going to like murder her a minute right, later. Right. So this is, this is where the real like shift happens. This guy goes from abusive, controlling husband to murderer. And he's, yeah. he's literally about to smother mom when the nurse walks in and he, then he just puts the pill. I'm like, you don't just go from that switch of I'm I, I beat up my wife to I'm going to ra- randomly murder anybody that's come in contact with me. It's <laughs> it's super strange because it gave me this feeling that this is this guy is one of the most one dimensional characters I've ever seen. He's just psycho husband. Period. Well, the problem is, and this again goes back to what I was saying. Like in that first twenty four minutes, he's a abusive, terrible person and a terrible husband. After that 24 minutes, he's a villain in a slasher movie, right? He's a psycho. I mean, you know, it, it just, it just converts over to being something that feels unrealistic. He feels more like a Jason Voorhees than a realistic character because like, kind of like in the same vein as one of those slasher movies, there's no way for her to escape. There's no way for her to hide. There's nowhere she can run that he can't find her. It just becomes a slasher movie. You know what I mean? And like, he starts picking up the traits of that with like, I'm going to pick up this pillow and murder granny. And then like, you know, coming up, you know, granny divulges that um, she's with a a, um, theater teacher at the local school. So then the next thing, you know, like he just like happens to somehow like, be in the backseat of this random 
guy's car and like somehow he had already found out that this guy is a theater teacher and like you know what i mean like it doesn't make any sense like where is this guy getting this information and resources and, and everything like that to figure all this stuff out and then he's got a gun out of nowhere and he's gonna out of nowhere you know, pl- plugging holes in in this guy and, and his family and whoever else i mean like it, yeah i mean it, it just goes off the rails <laughs> it, it literally after this attempted murder of of mom he Finds the town because he because she kind of divulges that he works at some university in Glen Cedar Fall. Point or something like that. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Cedar, Cedar Falls, Fall or Glen Fall or what? Winchesterton like Fieldville, Iowa. Whatever. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so now he goes to the campus and he starts like stalking all of the theater teachers in the campus, and he somehow got into the car of one of the teachers. And puts a gun to this guy. This is what I'm saying. But it's so short-sighted because, like, all right, somehow he found out that this guy is a drama teacher and he got into his car and everything else. But he didn't realize that he's one of, like, six drama teachers that the guy goes on to say. Like, you know, the guy's like, oh, like, I'm not with her. I'm with a man. Oh, oh, my. (laughs) You know, like, you know, like, all right, well, it can't be him then. And, you know, like, but I'm one of six. It must be one of the other ones. So, I don't know. And not only that, so... When when the guy in the car tells him that he's he lives with a man, you know the husband threatens him that I'll kill you, I'll kill your man, yada yada yada. I'm like, you wouldn't go home, tell your partner, and then call the police. Yeah, yeah. There's a psychopath in town on campus <laughs> with a gun trying to kill professors. Yeah, one of your colleagues. Right, he's clearly stated in the intent that he's going to kill one of his colleagues, and that guy's just like, "Phew, I got out of that one." <laughs> not me, not today, Satan. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, "Okay, that doesn't that doesn't track." Yeah. So, so now he gets inside the building of the school, which okay, ninety one, you probably could have gotten in easier. They, you know, there wasn't as many like you need to show your ID card type of stuff to get into a college building back then. Sure. But he's like, again, leering through like some sort of lattice window, watching Ben, mullet boy with a beard, you know, teaching a class. And he's like, this guy's got to be it. You know, yeah, he yeah. Knows. <laughs> and now we fast forward to they're back at the house and he's like leering in the bushes again. And, you know, you don't see him. You just see the camera. Then well, again, go- this is, goes back to my Jason Voorhees thing, because all those shots I was saying to Andrew, I'm like, it's like, it's literally like the, the stalker movie. And so they go to this carnival, right? So, so Ben finds Laura at the carnival. They embrace He's just standing there and he's watching them and he's like, he's always just watching. And watching them with that intent face I'm talking about on the fastest Ferris wheel that has ever existed. Yes. <laughs> and he's he's like, it's, you assume, you know, springtime, everybody's out in this. He's got this long black trench coat <laughs> with a collar popped up. He looks creepy and nobody was like, gee. That guy looks odd. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just staring at them like with murder eyes as they're going around in the Ferris wheel and nobody sees him. Nobody notices what he's looking at. Nothing. <laughs> just, whatever. 
So now I think you blew past my comment about the Ferris wheel, though. I have never seen a Ferris wheel move oh, it, quite as fast as that one. It does. It whips <laughs> around. That is like <laughs> it's either that or it's like a twelve foot tall Ferris wheels that are only making very quick revolutions. Yes, well, it is. It's a tinier one, but like you know, we were talking about child's problem and child's problem two a while back, and I was like, I was having flashbacks of like when they like flick the switch and make the thing, the whirly thing, go really fast, and everybody's throwing up like crazy i was like man that's about to happen on that (laughs) so this is something that really bothered me about this movie too and i'm kind of going a little bit on a tangent time go on a tangent what (laughs) (laughs) but but time in this movie makes no sense like has did all of this transpire in two weeks two months how long did it take for him to find her to, to to make all these moves? How many days was he going to the nursing home waiting for her to show up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't make sense. Like how like, oh, she says to Ben, it's not safe to go see mom, but then he, she goes there the next day. I feel like you'd probably wait a couple of weeks if you were afraid to go there. Or again, like I said, get there right away before the guy has time to find you. Right. On the assumption that he's going to find you, on the assumption that you didn't like complete your plan properly enough that he's just going to assume you're dead and that's going to be it. Yeah. So now we get home, you know, she, they get back to the house. She says she's going to go in and wash up, right? This triggers the weirdest series of events. And this goes a little bit into your talk of time, but like, the next like 20, 30 minutes of this movie, the series of events and the things that people do just make no sense whatsoever. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. So she tells Ben, I need 20 minutes to take to wash up and I'll come over or whatever. We'll have. And what does that mean? Full on bath. Full on bath. <laughs> right. Like she draws herself a bath. She's in the tub. Very pretty woman-esque like just like you know in the tub lounging enjoying life yada 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 and this is the shot you see on like the poster or whatever of her in the bathtub it's just that one moment yeah and and so she gets out of the tub hears a noise she starts searching around the house and She's checking everything out. Well, I, I can't remember the order of events now. I think she sees the towels lined up. No, the towels were slightly off. Like they, mm. they weren't lined up. And and so she's like, OK, but but it was but it was sort of in the exact positioning as it was in the house when he showed her that it was wrong. Yeah. So she was like a little freaked out by that. So that she's checking around the house, checking in the cabinets and the ch- the checking cupboard. in hilarious spots for like <laughs> on the like assuming that she's thinking that like maybe my crazy husband found me like looking in like upper cabinet upper kitchen cabinets and i guess like, she was looking for the to see if the stuff was lined up there but she like looks in like a broom cupboard at one point yeah. like <laughs> it's just like looking like i'm gonna find you it looks like more like a game of, of like uh peekaboo hide and seek than <laughs> it was like one of those things where like Let's look in any place we can't put a light so it looks pitch black, right? Yes. And so... And by the way, does she not have electricity in her house? I mean, like, God, turn some lights on as you're going. Right, turn a light on. <laughs> and as she's, like, going through the house and seeing things and checking things out and so on and so forth, you know, 
She goes back up, and the to- the tub is overflowing now. And like she didn't remember she turned the thing off or not, whatever. And then she goes back down into the kitchen, opens the cabinet, and in a matter of a minute or two, every item is perfectly aligned as it as it was. Well, but see now, like like what I'm I'm getting confused on on the sequence of events, and maybe you have it exactly right. But like, there's another portion of this, which is that he, she goes out and like has like a like a moonlight picnic with like Ben. Yes, they do. Yes, and I can't remember where that is in that sequence of things because then like she ends up saying to him like, "Oh, well, you know, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm really tired, you know, or whatever." Um. And she goes home and then she, you know, starts to realize again that the guy like, like it's like a red herring at first. Like she thinks that something's wrong and then she's like, oh, it must be fine. And goes and has this weird, like five five minute long nighttime picnic with him. You're you're right. Right. So she gets out of the tub. She checks around the house. It feels like it's nothing. Okay. Gets dressed, goes and has the picnic. Then like literally for like one minute. <laughs> right. They, they lay on a blanket. They say hi. They say good gu- good night. Blow out a candle. She goes back in the house. That's it. Period. Yeah. End of story. She goes back into her bathroom. Now the tub is overflowing. Yes. Now now the towels are straight. Then she goes down to the kitchen. Opens the cupboard. All the cupboard things are perfectly aligned. Yeah. And this is where it really really jumps the shark because. Okay, coming from an audience and filmmaker perspective, the filmmaker's trying to very, very, very ham-fistedly, I'm going to use that word way too many times tonight. Um, Heavy-handed. Heavy-handed, ham-fisted, bashing you over the head with it with a thousand-pound acme anvil, um, try and let you know that he is now here. But what is that character's motivation to do that? He's been tracking her down, all this sort of thing. It's her problem with him that he makes her arrange all these things. Like, what is the, that they're saying that like, while he's waiting in her house to like kill her, that he's like, you know what I should do? I should organize her closet. Like, is that the takeaway? Like, why would that guy do that? You know what right. I mean? Like, why wouldn't he just be behind the door when she comes in, he grabs her. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's just so silly. It's just such a big jumping the shark moment. And, and, and the question is, would he, like, I had a question of, would he really have wanted to kill her? He wants to control her like property, to be a trophy wife, to be an arm candy, to be his, you know, sex slave, if you will. That's the thing. I'm really unclear on his motivations at this point because I don't know if the idea, and maybe they said it and I was just so checked out at this point that I missed it, if the idea was that he was going to take her and bring her back and go back to their life. And maybe that's why he's organizing the stuff because he wants to get back into his his sort of psychological torture thing or whatever again. I, I don't know. I'm very unclear on what yeah. it is at, at that point in time his motivations are you know what i mean (laughs) so so they're confronted with one another he's got a gun on her he's threatening to kill her yada 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 then ben comes over knocking on the door (laughs) so corny (laughs) so corny and then he kind of like ushers her to the door with his like creepy hand over her mouth it was like so like weird the way he did it he's like (laughs) it's very weird it was gross and so she's like Ben, it's not a good time. And he puts the latch over the, 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 the chain latch over the thing. 
Well, and- because Ben like comes up with this stupid thing, like, "Well, you said you didn't want to see me to tomorrow. It's twelve oh five, You know, like you figure that maybe he came back because he he like heard some disturbance or, or right. like, "Are you okay?" Or no, it's just like <laughs> it's yeah. so stupid. Right? Yeah, he's so dumb. Like he's just not. <laughs> you know, like I, I guess they're trying to establish that she's going to be the the hero, and she doesn't need him to save her. So anyway, he can tell that she's in trouble he busts open the door and within one second yeah. martin clubs him in the yeah, back he just of the gets head laid out. With, with, with the butt <laughs> of the gun like clunk i'm like if, if you're so like and, and this is what bothered me i'm like you were about to kill some random guy in a car but this dude you just knock him unconscious you wouldn't have just shot him right at the front door as he walked in well, my other fa- – yeah, there's that for sure, yeah. But my other favorite thing too is that like they're kind of like grappling in like the like weakest, weirdest oh, possible it was way. the wimpiest <laughs> fight I've ever seen. And then Ben says to him something like, you're an asshole. <laughs> there's something <laughs> stupid like that. And then just gets clocked in the face and that's it for, the, for, for Ben. He's done. Exit stage left, Ben. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> and, and so – now Julia Roberts grabs, you know, they're wrestling for the gun, but she gets it relatively easily, and and then she's like pointing the gun at him, whatever, and she's like very nervously, it's like, oh, what are you gonna do? Shoot me? You're gonna kill me? So then she picks up the phone, calls the police while he's while she's holding the gun, and says, "I uh, send the police. I just killed an intruder." Click. And then she puts like five bullets in him. Yep. And he doesn't die right away. <laughs> like Jason Voorhees. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the Terminator. This, this guy, guy. I, this guy, I was waiting for like an after credit scene where he's just swimming in Camp Crystal Lake's lake because it's, it's so ridiculous. It's such a slasher movie thing at that point. It's not even funny. <laughs> so, so she shoots him a bunch of times. She goes over to embrace Ben. He comes up and grabs her and grabs the gun and puts the gun to her head and pulls the trigger and no bullets left. Nope, didn't count as a magazine. (laughs) And then he drops dead, but he's lying there with his eyes open, right? So now we go close in on Julia Roberts and, and Ben and she's kind of embracing him. And then we pull back, right? And we go all the way wide and we're focusing on the dead bad guy and Julia Roberts and Ben or Laura and Ben are totally out of focus. Like, like the focal point was the dead bad guy. No, the focal point is on the ring. Um, oh, right, he, the ring. he found yeah. the ring in the toilet. He stuck it on his, um, on his little finger. finger. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's been, he's had it on ever since. So now all of a sudden how that ring jumped off his finger when he died and it's laying on the floor there. <laughs> so it, it doesn't make sense. And so now I have a lot of questions, right? <laughs> and here's where I'm going to go, you know, off tangent a little bit and and talk about this theory here right a little noise there people was michael literally closing his notes flap flap that's that's the notes friends (laughs) so okay she's called the police she's killed their husband right she's now here's where things if it was reality go off the rails for me totally she now has to prove hey i faked my own death 
one. I made a fake identity, two. I just murdered my husband, three. I just don't understand how she doesn't go to jail. Yeah, the cops are going to have questions for her when they show up for a fact. Um, Not for nothing, because the one witness she has to all this was unconscious through some of it. Not that it probably matters too much, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, I mean, you know, again, like she says to them like, Oh, I just killed an intruder in my house. You know, that's all fine and good, but like, sort of like you said, like, you know, there's no point in this movie where they've established that she's like clearly got a new identity that she could, you know, the cops would show up and she would be able to say anything other than I'm Sarah, you know, I mean, she's probably gonna have to be like, oh, well, you know, my my only identification is Laura, you know, you know, sort of thing. It, it definitely is going to raise some questions. I mean, I, I guess at that point, she could do one of a couple of things. I guess she could tell them the truth. She could say, you know, like, look, I was in this incredibly abusive relationship. My husband stalked me all the way here after I faked my own death and, and broke in here with a gun and was going to, you know, I'm sure Ben has a bump on his head, you know, like clobbered Ben was holding the gun on me. Um, and I got a hold of it and I killed him. And, you know, maybe she gets off on that sort of instance, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it definitely is, you know, we've, you and I have had a few movies like this, um, where it's like, well, what happens next? What's, what's the immediate 20 minute aftermath out of this? You know, And my, my other funny thought was about this was like, She's renting this house. Yeah, yeah. No, she is not going to get her deposit back. (laughs) (laughs) She is not. (laughs) But yeah, like that's what bothers me. I'm just like, there's so many unanswered questions. Like this is not the end of the story, essentially. Like there's there's so much more that would have happened afterwards. Like she's not going to get away scot-free. Oh, you just shot somebody in your house who just happens to be your husband and You've changed your identity, but you have no proof and no evidence and no nothing. I mean, like, if you really start thinking about it, it's going to come out because, like, when they get there and they're like, who's this corpse? And it's like, oh, it's some random guy from Cape Cod. Why the heck is he all the way out here in Iowa breaking into some random woman's house? You know what I mean? Like, it's going to come out. Like, it's going to have to come out. There's sort of no way um, around that for her in my head. I mean, that said, I, I still think, you know, if, 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 if this goes to court, donk, donk, you know, if this goes to court after the fact, um, she's probably going to be fine given the circumstances that like, you know, she went into hiding and this guy came all the way across the country. Probably, probably they're going to find her okay <laughs> at the end of this, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, just, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I thought this movie was going to be or wanted this movie to be, I, I think it, I think it, I thought it ended up being what it was, which is going to be, we knew we were coming in with a low bar you know, yeah. and it, 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 it hurtled right over that low bar, you know, <laughs> but like, I don't know. Uh, it, I just can't tell what this movie's trying to be. You know, I guess at the end of the day, if you put the whole thing together, it's really like, a horror thriller stalker movie. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really what it is. It's, it, and in a way, I feel like that does a disservice to what it starts out as, which is this, you know, you could kind of say that it's like a, a movie about a woman becoming empowered, getting out of this relationship. And she kind of takes those reins the way that she does in the end, because like, you know, she, she could have called the cops and said, I've got my ex-husband here at gunpoint. He's trying to kill me. 
But instead, she's like, um, I need you to come. I just plugged this guy. And then she's, gonna, <laughs> you know, she's going to shoot him clearly when she gets off the phone. So it has that real, her- you know, heroin um, moment to it there. But a, a better version of this movie is Enough that comes out years later. Mm, yeah. And, you know, it, but this movie, I, it, I had a strong feeling it didn't know what its identity was. It didn't know what it was supposed to be. And that's why you get this vibe of slasher, stalker, almost serial killer movie compounded with a, you know, abused wife, you know, trying to get create her own identity and new life yeah. story. It just doesn't. It's I not- mean, the one thread that they're really, really trying to put through this needle is you can't escape him. You can't get away from him. And I think even, and God, I'm getting really forgetful now because we had that extra Friday in there. But I think when we did the the trailer rewatch, they might have even said that. Like, it might be part of, like, the log line. Like, you know, you can't run and you can't hide from, from you know, this husband or something. I could be completely imagining that. They bit. even say that in the movie. Like, somewhere along the line, somebody says to her, oh, you can't just run away from your problems or your fears or something like that. Like you can't escape something. And I think she says to the woman on the bus, like, Oh, he'd never stop chasing me or, yeah. or something. I, I don't remember. Something like that. <laughs> so here's a funny thought that I had, right? So if you had said to me a year ago, when we decided we wanted to do this podcast, that the number one movie of the, of each month, would be something like this, I would have told you you were crazy. I was thinking we're going to be like watching blockbusters. All yeah, the yeah, time. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, in a way, I guess it's a good balance um, for us that we have some of these real clunkers um, to throw in here as well. Because, because it, next month it, we got a whopper. Yeah, everybody would probably get bored if if we were just praising things all the time. <laughs> you know, if I was talking about yet another Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that I like, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm sure there's some people out there that like this. I mean, again, like I sort of said, I, if you go look this up on like the Rotten Tomatoes, that's thing like a 20% critic score, but like a 60-ish um, user score, which, really? you know, isn't the end of the world. So there's some people out there that that got something out of this. And again, I can't actually say in, in good faith that this is like the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh, no, it's definitely not. It, it's, it's, it's a fine movie. It's, it's, you know, like in some ways I found this to be more watchable than um postcards from the edge um only because i you know as as sad as it is to say i think postcards from the edge was a more intelligent movie yeah (laughs) than this one you know like in by leaps and bounds but this one at least kind of kept you like a little bit more on the edge of your seat and this and that sort of thing so at least you were sort of in it for that this was just not done well i mean it was just i think as you say it struggled with its identity it struggled with what it wanted to be ultimately it could have been a really cool psychological thriller, you know, really like, you know, they could have taken some more intelligent steps. Instead, they just took the low road and just made him just like a dumb slasher villain. Right. To the a point where they had to even villain. do the thing at the end where she like blows him away and then he still like gets up and has the gun that one last time. It's just unnecessary. It just doesn't, you know, it, it's such that stupid trope out of slasher movies that like, no matter what that guy's going to pop up that one last time, you know what I mean? And it's just unnecessary for what this movie could be. Right. This movie could be a, a very well done 
really good look at a woman truly trying to do everything she could to escape a really controlling husband. And in that way, she could have, they could have rearranged it where she, you know, faked her death later on in the movie. Like she tried to do a few things to get away in the beginning and couldn't. And then finally, you know, balls to the wall, does this giant escape by, you know, you know, faking her own death in the end or something. As it stands, there's just too many dumb plot holes and questions and just odd things that don't really add up. The timing, like you said, doesn't really make sense for how quickly he's able to figure out where she is and, and come after her. And, and, you know, like we were talking about the, the scene where he's at the um, healthcare facility and she's at the healthcare facility in disguise. And it's, it's like something out of like a cartoon, you know, like, he pops in to check if she's in the room and she's not there. So he goes out the door and she comes out the bathroom that same instant. And like, they're passing each other in the hallways. And it's like, it's like in one respect, it's supposed to feel like a thriller and maybe we're jaded now, you know, 30 years down the road because there's so, so many movies that have done these tropes over and over that like maybe in the nineties, those were like, (gasps) you know, sort of moments, but like, it just felt silly. I mean, it just felt like, Oh look, they passed each other in the hall. And of course he didn't recognize her because her back was to him or she was wearing a silly mustache or, you you know know why that is, you know why that felt silly? Yeah. It was no music over that scene. Yeah, well, I mean, they could have put like the Benny Hill music. <laughs> well, not, not like that. <laughs> but, you know, this is another movie where I feel like you're right, where the movie is. That's cool. another supercut I want. So, on top of the supercut of that guy just making cringe faces all movie long, I want a supercut of somebody with that scene with the Benny Hill music sped up like 50%. <laughs> I'll work on it for you. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, th- that's the thing that, like, the movie is called Sleeping with the Enemy. She escapes the enemy in 25 minutes. Like if she was with the enemy for the first hour of the movie and then the, the last 40 minutes is her trying to stay away from him and hide from him, it would make more sense. But it was, again, one of those moments where, like you said, that he the, the trope of him coming back for one last breath to try to kill her. When we pull back, we see that ring on the ground. I was expecting to see his hand reach out and grab the ring. Like, yeah. he's not really dead. We're gonna, and it cuts to black right there. And I was like, oh, God. Don't well, do this me. is another one where, again, like several others that we've gone through, this is based off a book. and um, a, a novel or a, or a novel? Okay. Yeah. And so I don't 100% know because I didn't bother spending time on this particular one to look into the book. If this is a much trimmed down version that there was much more lead up in the book in the beginning to her faking her death and escaping. You know, I mean, the way I know that books are usually structured, that feels like that could be the case, you know, really closing out like a full third act one sort of thing of her faking her death or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it could just be a poor adaptation of a book. It could be that the book is hot garbage. I have no idea. (laughs) Like I probably should have spent a minute. You know what? I tell you what, I'll look it up really quick. I'll I'll see what the uh, consensus on the, uh, the original book is over on Goodreads. Um, What's the book? Is a book called the same name? I believe it is. Let me see if I can, um, by Nancy price sleeping with the enemy. So it's actually rated fairly well. Um, at least on the Goodreads front. Um, it's got a four out of five, um rating um so i don't know (laughs) there's somebody here the second review down 
says, for the first time in my life, I have to say the film is better than the book. <laughs> so I don't know. No, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. But it, most people are rating it fairly well. So I, I don't know. Um, but again, I, I could, I'm going to go out on a limb without having read it or without having read these reviews. And I could, I could make a guess that probably the book probably does more to flesh out a little bit of the relationship and the story and, and, you know, some of that, and maybe, you know, isn't quite so heavy handed and quick at, at having to deliver some of these plot points, um, just because it's a book, maybe who knows. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel like we've covered this movie pretty pretty good i would say like like we've we've covered a lot of ground in this thing there's not much to really say otherwise if you had to give this a grade what would you give it uh, um it's a movie <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh i don't know on a on a sliding scale of 5 i don't know i'd give it like a two and a half <laughs> I, I i'd probably say 2 yeah, yeah. Um, like where like a, where like a three is an okay for me and a two is a is a didn't like it but a one is a hated it like I it was watchable I mean we got through it I, I'm not going to put it on again right. <laughs> unless yeah. we do a, a a thirty year reunion of this episode or something I don't know, <laughs> you know like no yeah <laughs> no we won't you'll fake, you'll fake your own death for that <laughs> yeah seriously you'll be on your own on that one um, um yeah I don't know. It, it goes back to, I think, what I was saying last episode, which is that this had name recognition for me, but like ultimately at the end of the day, it's just not a movie that I would recommend to anybody or, um, you know, I mean, like it, a kind of a, a funny um, taste test on how good or not these movies are that we're going to be watching is how easy it is to find a streaming version of it. And this was impossible to find a streaming version of, so, you know, it tells you that nobody's really craving sleeping with the enemy out there in streaming land. No, none of the HBO maxes of the world are, are dying to add that to their uh, licensing. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I think you can, you can get this uh, for like three bucks for, from uh, YouTube is, is ultimately how you can end up watching this movie. If you're really interested. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, whatever. It's not, not the greatest. It's not the worst. It's not even the worst you've even watched, I would say, but, Let's promote what we've got coming up next month, which I'm pretty excited about. What's next? Yes. Next month is the big time classic thriller, much more of a intelligent thriller than, than this had even a chance of being silence of the lambs, which ironically on CBS, they just premiered Clarice, which is essentially what happens to Clarice Starling right after Silence of the Lambs? Oh, really? I missed that. I know there was a, something. I can't remember if it was a m movie or a TV show. Or maybe it was both. Um, Red Dragon, which I oh. think had to do with okay. Anthony Hopkins' character. So there's a lot to digest about that. I know a lot about Silence of the Lambs and its tie-in stories, which we'll cover. Okay. So that's, it, that's, it, that's it, fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So there... Is just this show that just started. I watched the first episode. It's pretty good. It's pretty interesting. I haven't watched part the episode two yet, but it's got a good vibe to it. I'm very interested to see where it goes. I'm super excited to talk about Silence of the Lambs because I love that movie. It is terrifying. It's exciting. It's intelligent. Um, it made Anthony Hopkins a household name. Period. Yeah, I mean, I, it. It is quite something, yeah. It's I'm I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be and not to put Kindergarten Cop down, but it's going to be one of the first like really good serious movies that we're going to head into 
yeah. uh, this year. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun to to rewatch and review that one for sure. All right, so we're going to wrap this uh, review up um, this time around. You let us know on our socials what you think about uh, <laughs> sleeping with the enemy. Let us know if you've figured out who to call if you're sleeping with the enemy, because I'm still trying to figure out who that is. Um, I, 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 would, I still like the idea of the Ghostbusters, but I don't know how effective they'll be in this particular situation. <laughs> so uh, this is the point in time where we've been doing Michael's... Um, like what if sort of scenario cards, you know, like either or sort of cards. And uh, I don't know, the track record so far has been, I was trying to like leave off the last year on a high and positive note. And he gave me this trauma. They're horrible one. questions. And then, uh, we had this last one last time about um, which fictional character. And, and as it turns out, because I think I had more feedback on my answer to that, than I've had on feedback for anything else in the history of of Box Office 30. People were quite surprised, um, including our our previous um, show guest, Tom, who said that my answer um, had him clutching at his pearls if he was wearing any, (laughs) Um, because uh, I guess he was not uh, expecting possibly a lewd answer to that question. I don't know quite why that was the thing that popped into my head, but there you have it. I do like Mila Kunis, but... um, Uh, what I, I thought that we would do this time as possibly a little bit of escapism is I had mentioned uh, a little bit back that, uh, the wonderful guys over at the retro network, um, Jason and Mickey had sent us, um, towards the end of last year, a, a big puzzle box called the big movie quiz. So, um, we actually have this whole deck of cards that are, um, relevant to movies. Um, now the funny part is I was looking through these and, some more so than others are necessarily relevant to this particular time period. And um, I didn't necessarily f- dig through. I, I should probably spend some time at another point to try and dig through and see if I can find ones that are really, really 90s themed. But they seem to be a little bit all over the place. So I thought I would just shuffle the deck up here and get a little revenge on you from these questions you've been asking me and see if I can hit you with the quiz, particularly since you're not doing the quiz over on uh, Wizards so much anymore now. <laughs> You've escaped that quiz, so I got to get you with a new one. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I, I I can do movie quizzes. All right, I can do it. The, uh, the the thing I will say is that these cards are are like very very easy questions. These are like if you've ever played Trivial Pursuit, like Junior. These are like Trivial Pursuit Junior for for movie sort of level cards. These aren't going too deep. So, um, as an example, uh, I'll ask you a few, and we'll I'll see if I can catch you on one of them because okay. these are going to go quick. So the first question for today on completely random shuffle here, which 1991 film features the line hasta la vista, baby. Are you Ter- sure you know this one before you answer? Are you sure you know? Can, can I phone a friend? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terminator two. Yes. There you go. So actually that was a nice little bit of luck that I landed on a 91 uh, question right off the bat, even though if it was uh, uh, pretty, uh, pretty obvious, maybe this one will get you. I don't know. You, you know, football. Or I guess it's footballer. I don't know if that means it's American or, or uh, oh, elsewhere God. in the wood football. This is uh, which former footballer starred in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? Um, Funny part is I feel like I know this actor, but I don't think I realized that he had anything to do with... I guess he must have been a, a soccer... I, I think I'm going to go with soccer player knowing... Who this who this actor is is there multiple choice in this question or no there is not there is a q and an a <laughs> oh, uh, you just gotta test your lock stock and two smoking barrels knowledge 
I can only think of wasn't um, Ewan McGregor in that movie. Ewan McGregor is in that movie, but it's not the but not him. Not Ewan, or is he in the movie? I think he is. Now you're going to be testing my knowledge. It's been a minute since I've seen that. Yeah, it's like either him or Jude Law or one of those guys is in that movie. I'll I'll give you the answer. This one is Vinnie Jones, and Vinnie Jones is like this like real oh. like brutish guy you've seen pop up in a bunch of. <laughs> yeah, Vinnie Jones also played the Juggernaut in, in X Men. That's right. 3. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, all right, so here's another one for you then. So which U.S. city is the location for RoboCop? Detroit. There you go. All right. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll, we'll end it on this one for tonight. Which film stars Bruce Willis, Helen Mirren, and Morgan Freeman as former black op agents? Red. Red it is. So that's not bad, sir. Three out of four. That's enough to win you the, uh, the golden cookie for the Woo-hoo! week, I think. <laughs> I, I can I can live with that. I can live with three out of four. I can live with three out of four. Let's, yeah. So let us know. I don't know. That, that's a, that's our new thing here. Let us know if you like the uh, the uh, big movie quiz versus the uh, <laughs> the would you rather. Am I going to get a would you rather? I feel like we can't ditch it uh, on uh, principle here. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to give you one right now. All righty. <laughs> this is payback. <laughs> I, I don't know. If the, I don't like this question. This is a weird question. <laughs> Uh, this is, I don't know. I was expecting this these decks to be like cards against humanity, but they're like really weird questions instead. <laughs> um, okay, if your office had a show and tell for adults, what thing would you bring to proudly display? Okay, so first of all, I had to like really think through that because when it was like your office, I thought it meant like home office. So if I was going into my office, what thing would I bring into to display? Uh, you know, outside of the the very vanilla answer of things like family photos. Um, I don't know. Let me look up on my shelf here. What's what's really cool up on my shelf? Um, I'm about to get that uh, Mandalorian deluxe uh, and child uh, hot toys. You know, we talked about that a couple episodes back i think michael's been harping me for years to get on the hot toy train and choo choo i broke broke him yes (laughs) yes yeah so uh that's coming in the mail so that's that's fresh um past that i mean i've got a bunch of vintage cameras and i am a photographer at work so it probably makes sense to to bring something like that in and and stick that there not necessarily a, a movie-ended question, but that's that's the trend that we've had with these. <laughs> our our thirty-year-old box office movie podcast that ends with questions have nothing to do with with movies. <laughs> There's nothing. To do. I, I think that deck was a good idea in principle, but not in practice. <laughs> not, not. It's a bummer. It was like it is what it is. What I, I should try and do is find like a movie way of answering the question. What do I have as far as movie paraphernalia? Around like literally, here? none of the questions even equate to movies. So it's like a big fail on that. Side. Yeah. You know what? I've got my my grandfather's um, old Super 8 camera. I could bring that into the office. That's a movie. And that's answer. Cool. <laughs> that's cool. that's so, yeah, this was, you know, whatever. It wasn't the worst movie. I, I, I will admit I got through it in one sitting, which is which is rare for us. <laughs> like Dance with Wolves took me like about seven days to get through. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was there was a lot of slow parts in the movie. It had it's it has a lot of problems with it, but it wasn't the worst piece of garbage I've ever seen in my life. And okay, it's a movie. 
<laughs> we're moving forward now. Yeah, you're back to talking about it. I thought we were done with this thing. I was. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. It's haunting you. I'm trying to wrap it up. I'm trying to bring wrap us it up. So, <laughs> wrap it up. So again, as as Pete said before, if you have thoughts on this movie, let us know on our social media at Twitter at box office thirty three zero on Facebook box office thirty three zero or on Instagram box office thirty t h i r t why? Yeah, that's how it's usually spelled. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and you can check out us at boxoffice30.com as well. Uh, we're, we also have our Tee Public store too, which is super cool. I have to order myself a hoodie because I've just been lazy and procrastinating, but I need to order myself one. We have some cool merch. Yeah, you know what I've been walking around in is my Box Office 30 face mask. You guys have a face mask? Too? I did. And you know what? It's actually been one of the most comfortable face masks I've had since, you know, I've, I've gone through a lot of face masks since oh, the Rona started. I was boom, starting man. off with like a uh, industrial, like, um, you had a, you call like, it? like, like, a, like an N4000. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of those like gas masks that you wear for like, um, doing like spray painting and things like that, you know? <laughs> so I, I had that the first few days I was going out cause I had nothing else. Couldn't find anything back then. And then I went into the, uh, the blue, uh, you know, surgical ones and then on to random other things. I have one for my school. So I have, I've, if I go to my uh, school where I work, I wear that one. And then if I'm out and about, I wear my box office 31 trying to get some branding out there. <laughs> I got to order one too. Okay, good. I'll add that to my list of things to get, but yeah. So check us out every two weeks or so. We're on the retro network here. We're super thankful that we're a part of the retro network. You know, we thank second and fourth Fridays, as I had to be reminded <laughs> that fifth Friday really screwed me up last week. I was like, oh, I've got the episode ready. They're like, you're not on this week. I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> so thank you, Jason, for setting me straight, because, dang, I was off. I, I said to him, I was like, I thought we were first and third. He's like, you've been two, second and fourth all along. And I'm like, yeah, I'm having a bad mental moment, I guess. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, of, of the retro network, we're, you know. Doing our thing. We're getting it. We're getting shows out there for you guys, which is exciting. And we're looking to put out some more content as, as the year progresses and put out some cool stuff. If you have any ideas for stuff we want to do, um, YouTube stuff, we could talk about videos as well. And whatever you want, we're here. We would love to hear from you guys. Please let us know. And as always, you know, we'll see you in the cinemas or or on our couches. Yeah, on the couch. We still can't get that one down, can we? No. I can't think of a good ending. I We're doing those $99 AMC things. Yes. <laughs> we'll see you in the $99 AMC that we invited you to from across the room because don't sit next to me. That's, that's, that's where we'll see you. Yes. Or at the drive-in or, or on our couch. Or nowhere at all. <laughs> Bye, friends. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much. Excellent. <laughs> this has been a presentation of the Retro Network.